Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Joe Beningo with you here. It is the Oh, the Pain podcast. It is uh, Monday, uh, <clears throat> June the 7th, uh, twenty. 22 and let me give you let me just get my sponsors in here before i bring my distinguished guest in here and the uh, joe beningo oda paint podcast of course brought to you by the hackensack brewing company by kz sports marketing by beach camera uh by uh, anita tire needed discount tires and by the blue hill golf course in pearl river new york and joining us right now really one of the great special team coaches of all time 30 years in the nfl Mostly with Miami and the Jets, uh, had some terrific years with those teams as a special teams coach. He's got his book out now. It's called Figure It Out, his 30 years uh, as a special team coach in the NFL. And that, of course, is Coach Mike Westhoff. Coach, how are you? Uh, Joe, I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm doing great. Down here in Florida, um, things, things are, are good. So I've been, I've been busy you know, promoting my book right. that, that I wrote. Uh, you, can, you can get it on uh, through the publisher right now which is mascot, mascotbooks.com. And you just put in the title of the book, figure it out. They'll deliver it right to your house. Or July 12th, it'll be released everywhere. Barnes and Noble, Amazon, anywhere. So, you know, it's been fun to talk about. I'm very proud of it. And uh, it's an interesting story to tell. So it's been thanks thanks to people that have shown some interest in it. And I'm going to go all over and do it. So something I had a, a lot of fun to do. All right, well, give, give us a little feel of the book. Obviously, you know, you got a, all those years in the National Football League. I mean, you dealt with so many great players, so many great coaches. You know, you were Don Shula for a long time. Uh, just give us a little feel uh, uh, about what it's all about, Coach. Yeah, sure. It's something that I always wanted. I always felt that I would do. Um, I have a, a master's degree in education, psychology, and I liked the whole philosophy of what goes on in coaching. I, I, I like that. I enjoy it. And how, how, you know, you have to take what you have and figure it out and turn it into something productive. I got into this part of it very much by accident. So, but as I did it, I realized there was a good story to tell. I've always believed that. And so I believed coaching was a lot more, and particularly in the NFL, than someone just telling me, you know, give me, get the best guy. Well, yeah, you'd like to have the best guy, but what if you don't? I mean, I, I didn't have Devin Hester. Yeah, I didn't have him. I didn't right, have Deion right. Sanders. But yet, in New York, I had nine. Nine different football players that led the NFL in returns. So I don't care who I had. Figure it out. That's what I did. So I love the story. And it started back, you know, when I was a kid growing up in Pittsburgh. So I grew up in a, in a, a just a kind of a working-class neighborhood. I grew up in a row house, you know, when I was young. And the things that I went through, that it was a tough time. You know, it was, you, you had to figure it out. Uh, you had to kind of learn how to fight. And I did. And then I, I needed to get a football scholarship. And we moved to a suburb. And here I am young. I was young. I was a year young for my class. Not anybody's fault. My mom and dad didn't know. 
uh, you know, and, and so I had to learn how to figure it out. I got a scholarship and then went on. And next thing you know, I, I got into coaching uh, and how, how I did that. And then as it developed, then I had a chance to go in the National Football League. That in itself is an incredible story. So there were lots of things that went with it. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm at Miami. I'm at the Miami Dolphins with Don Shula, Dan Marino, you know, and all those guys. And so, but here's a, here's a football team built around, as you, as you remember, well, Dan Marino. Yeah, all of our resources are thrown to Dan. Well, okay. Now, all of a sudden, I've got a wide receiver. I mean, he's a great guy for Dan, but now I got to put him on a kickoff coverage team. So I better figure it out or I'm going to get killed because I don't have the best guy. So I had to become creative. And that story was what I think the mantra that I lived with through my career and uh, it made it really a worthwhile story to tell. So the book follows that direction and it goes through all these different times, but it also covers a part of NFL football that started in relative obscurity. You know, back in 1982, there were no special teams coordinators. Mm. The, the, the job was divided on a staff. Coaching staffs were small. And we didn't have all those guys. Like last Thursday, I went over to Miami. I was with Dan Marino. I went over to watch their practice there in a mini camp. Right, it was a beautiful new facility, gorgeous. Um, when I first went with Coach Sula, we had seven coaches, maybe eight. They have 29. Huh. <laughs> this all changed. Crazy. And a new head coach as well. They got a new, a new head, head coach down in Miami, too. Sure. And so, you know, I had to be, I was part of this, this development. And, and you had to figure it out. So I thought it would always be a pretty good story uh, to tell. And, and that's, that's, exactly what, uh, what, that's exactly what I did. Coach, before we get to, I want to get to the Miami years, obviously the Jet years, because uh, you were with the Jets in some of the better, you know, really some of the glory, glory days of the Jets, uh, you know, from we 2001 to 2012. Right. But I want to, we talked a little off the air. You were with the Colts when they made the move, when Ursay made the move from Baltimore to Indianapolis, basically with the moving company leaving overnight. I mean, how, how crazy was that? Tell us a little bit about that well, situation. If you if you remember, yeah, I was in Baltimore. I went there with Frank Bush in right, 1982. Right. And, and, I, and I had a, I had a sundry of jobs, of which I didn't do any of them very well, David. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was a strength coach. I was a special teams coach. I was a tight ends coach. I was assistant offensive line. I was assistant wow. head coach. I did all that. I didn't know wow. anything. Um, but the city of Baltimore was in a major transition. Economics had, had been a little bit of a fight. Some of the big steel mills, Sparrows Point, they had kind of closed. There had been a big textile industry. It had backed off. The stadium was 100 years old. They basically had the lowest non-shared revenue in the NFL. You know, the wow. TV money shared equally. But there's other things that are divided up. Well, they just weren't there. So the rumor was out that we'd be looking to move. The first one that everybody thought we were going to go is that we were going to move to Phoenix. Mm. Frank Cush, the old Arizona State guy, right, right. and we would go there. Then Jacksonville came into the picture. Memphis was along the line, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All these places were talking about trying to get the Colts to move. All right. Indianapolis, with the Lilly Drug Company, built the dome. So they had a nice stadium. The Hoosier Dome at that time. It was there. The right. Dome, the old Hoosier Dome. Yep. It was, it was nice. So 
that was a rumor that we'd be moving there and doing that. We didn't know for sure. No one knew. The, the, the owner's son, Jimmy Ursay, came around to our offices during the day and said to, to me, you know, Mike, stick around a little bit tonight. We're going to have a meeting at like six o'clock. Okay. Well, I went, I stuck around, went to that meeting. Most of the, most of the building left and went home. And there were a handful of us in that meeting, coaches, two equipment guys, um, two film guys, two trainers, believe me, not very many. And they said, the trucks are on their way. We're moving tonight. Hmm. It's coming tonight. That's the first time we knew. Right, now, right. You didn't even know where you were going. Did you even know where you were going at that point? You didn't even know, right? He told, they, he told us at that meeting, we're going to Indianapolis. Okay. Mayflower Moving Company was headquartered there, and they stayed all their trucks rendezvoused, and then one by one, they would come in. They had big boxes for us in our um, uh, in our uh, uh, offices they downstairs to get these boxes, pack everything, label it, and be ready to go. Um, but they were on their way. The city of Baltimore owned the franchise, that the, the building that we were in. So in order to get everything out, our draft, our draft records, all of our material, we had to go at night because at the start of the next day, they could lock the door and we right. have nothing. Right. So okay. the truck started to pull in and we just packed everything. They picked up a group of manpower workers and they came in like, like, like a swarm of locusts and they took everything. They told us, take everything in the office except the phone, leave the phone on the floor. So people, <laughs> people that had worked there for 20 years walked in the next day, and everything they had was gone. Wow. Everything. Their personal items, they were gone and because they had to get out and they get out and move. And then, of course, the, the, the you know people found out because they saw the trucks. Well, then the word got out. I remember that night I was trying to go home and there was the, they were blocked the gate. I got out of my car. I made it very clear. I said, guys, this isn't my idea. I just work here and I'm going home. So get out of the road. Leave me alone. I'm going home. I had to right. pack a weight room. I, I was just afraid it was raining. All my weights got rusted. They got half ruined. So, but anyway, we packed up and went to Indianapolis. And Indianapolis was um, just tremendous. And they treated us great. They opened it. They built a little facility for us. We helped they get that going, and uh, and that was the move. We all of a sudden we ended up as the Indianapolis Colts. So we went from Baltimore to Indianapolis at night. Crazy. That's a crazy story. We're talking to the great, probably the greatest special teams coach ever. Uh, coach uh, Mike Westhoff is joining us right now. What a story that is. Now, what year did you get to Miami? What, what were your years with the Dolphins? You were there with Marino and Shula the whole time. What what, what was your first year with the Dolphins? Uh, let's see, 86. 86 was 86, your first year. yeah, I was there. I went there right after they had lost in the AFC Championship Right, game. To, to the Patriots. They lost the Patriots, and uh, then I went there. I, I After I left the Colts, I was with the Colts when they moved to Indianapolis, and then Frank Cush left the Colts and went back right. he went to the USFL. He went back out to Arizona, the Arizona Outlaws. I went with Frank as offensive line coach, and then Don Shula got a hold of me, and, and I went to work for Miami as a tight ends coach and special teams coach. Hmm. So you were actually in the USFL for, a little, for what, a year? A year One in year. the USFL? One year, yeah. Doug, Doug Williams was our quarterback. Yeah, I remember, yes. USFL yeah, we good. was good. That was, they was, I, they were that was good. good football coach. It you really better, was. You better, you better believe it. Yeah, Steve Young was a quarterback. Yep. And, you know, we, Jim we, Kelly. We were loaded. We were loaded with talent. 
Yeah. Reggie White's playing for Memphis. Yeah. That's the real deal. I had, had a great offensive line. I had Tom Thayer was a real good player to play for me. Of course, Doug was our quarterback. You know, Doug yeah. Williams went on to be a Super Bowl MVP with the, yeah. when he went with Washington. So it was it was a good year. And then right after that year ended, then I went to Miami. And I started down there with Don Shula and Dan Marino in 86, 86, 87. <clears throat> and I was there 15 years. So I, I had a lot of fun there. So you were there from 86 to – and your first year with the Jets was 2001, right? Correct. You were from 80, 86 to 2001 with Marino and Shula. Although Marino Correct. retired in 99, but you were there for that whole uh, that whole run, 13 years of that, huh? Yeah, I was there the whole time. Wow. I was with Coach Shula when he, when he left, and Jimmy Johnson came in and took over, and I stayed with him. Wow. And wow. I tried to get the job, head coaching job, which I firmly believe I should have gotten. I didn't get it, and I stayed one year, which I it was miserable. But we I had a great year. Uh, I had the best special teams year, maybe in NFL history. And then I went to New York, and I loved New York. I mean, Herman Edwards was the head coach. Yep. We inherited a, a Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick left on a pretty good football team now. Uh, we had we had a lot of good guys. And, uh, you know, look at our offense. I mean, you got Kevin Mawise, your center. Yep. Curtis Martin's your running back. I mean, come on, they're, they're wearing gold jackets. And so, you know, Wayne Krebet's a receiver. Laverne is close. Santana Moss. You know, Benny Testaverne, Chad Pennington, and on and on. And on defense, we were loaded. You know, Ellison. Uh, Abraham and Ellis, Fergie was a nose tackle. You had Marvin Jones and, and Mo Lewis. I mean, come on, this is the James Ferrier, Aaron Glenn. Yeah, this is, it was an excellent football team. We were. Yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm not 100 sure to be honest that Herman quite totally, totally appreciated how good we really were. I'm not sure he quite. I'm not. It's it's hard. That's the tough thing to say. But we were good. We were a good team. That, that could beat anybody. We just needed to kind of put it all together. And we came close. We came close to doing that very thing. Because it was a it was a talented group, talented group of players. You know, I want to go back to this with Herman again. We're talking to Coach Mike we Mike Westhoff. Herman took the Jets to the playoffs more than any coach. He took them three times to the playoffs. He's the only coach in the history of the franchise to take the Jets three times to the playoffs. You say you say Herman didn't realize how good you guys were. I, that's an interesting thing to say. Now, one thing, let me say this as a Jet, you know what a kind of Jet fan I am, okay? I always, you know, Herman always said his mantra was you play to win the game. But I thought, Coach, there was a lot of games where Herman played not to lose. I thought he played a little too, you go, go to the playoff game in Pittsburgh in 2004, the Doug Bryan game, okay? You, you guys, you know, you lost that game in overtime. Bryan missed the field goals and all that. But I thought he played that game. And I know Pennington was banged up a little in that game, too. But I thought he played that game much too conservative. You, you obviously remember that game in Pittsburgh 2004 when yeah, he lost to the Steelers. Yeah, chapter on it. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't. Here's the thing, in my opinion. I, 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 I'll disagree with you in the fact that I don't think he played it that way. I, don't think, I think he was, in some ways, he was clueless. Really? He didn't, he didn't, call, he didn't call play. He never called a play. Paul Hackett called the plays, right? He Paul Hackett was the he wasn't, he wasn't telling them to run the ball. Herm was just standing there watching the game. He didn't have anything to do with it. That's wow. what this person is philosophy. In my opinion, when I say he didn't realize it, that's that's a that's a, oh, that's a little bit of a harsh thing to say. Um, he wasn't really very well prepared in wow. some of the head coaching roles that you have to have. Clock management, timeouts. 
Herm right. did a great job of pushing turnovers and penalties and things. The penalties, I ran the referees, not him. I hired them all. I did it. I mean, I, I took charge of all that. And wow. He never said a word to anything I ever did. Uh, he just didn't do it. The game that we wanted to get into that first playoffs, and we had to go out to Oakland and play the uh, the, the game that changed after 9-11. Right, okay? 2000, right. 2001, John Hall. Yeah, we, so we kicked the great field goal. We right. blocked the punt. Chris Hayes blocks the punt to give us a chance. Now we're driving down the field. Herman's screaming at Paul Hackett to throw a Hail Mary. He didn't call the field goal. I called the field goal. I sent it on. I, t- I, he didn't, I told him, get out. Let me do it. I'm sending. I sent the field goal out. Wow. He didn't stop me, but he couldn't stop me. And we kicked the longest field goal they ever kicked. So, so let, me, let me just stop you, Coach, because this is very interesting to me. So the 2001 last game of the year, you guys beat the Raiders to get into the playoffs. John Hall with that 53-yard field goal, whatever it was, to win it. Herman is saying in that spot he wanted to throw a Hail Mary, and you're telling him, wait a minute, Hall can make this kick. Let's kick the field goal. That's interesting, Coach. You're, be, you're being way too kind. That's not, <laughs> that's not how it happened at all. Well, tell me how it did. Tell me, please. You're, 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 you'd be right under a lot of circumstances, but you're really not. He's yelling, to, he's yelling for the Hail Mary. I sent the field goal team on. I didn't ask them. So Herman I called it. I sent them on the field and told him this is what we're going to do. I don't care what anyone tells you. That's how it happened. Wow. So you, so he was sending. He was going to uh, have Pennington throw the ball into the end zone, and you said not. You didn't even ask him. You just sent Hall out there for the kick, and that was the end of it. That's correct. Wow. I went so, to John uh, as we were driving. I grabbed John Hall before. I said, John. This is this is you. You're the only one to make this kick. And wow. John Hall knew. See, John Hall could smack the ball now. He had a great leg. He was oh, no, no, no question. No but question. He could pound it. Yep. I knew he could make that kick. You know what? Ever, I don't think anybody ever made a field goal that long in that stadium. That was right. a, it was a low. It had a sloppy field. Yep, yep. Yes. And her, he's screaming for Hill Mary. No, that's not the way it happened. It happened just the other way. Uh, wow. I called it, sent it in, and we kicked it. So, yeah, I mean, you know. He'd argue with you on that. Go ahead. I don't care. I'm just telling you what happened. Wow, that's true. So, all right, I, I love this stuff. This is great, Coach. So, okay, so let me go. So, Hall kicks the field goal. What does Herman say to you after Hall kicked the field goal, or did he say anything to you? Not one word. Wow. <laughs> wow. I wasn't in those days. You know, we all had our roles. I knew what mine was. I didn't need to, nobody was gonna. I I I I ran that part of the game. I did it. It's my job. I wasn't I wasn't stepping on anyone's toes. I well maybe I did. I don't really care. I Good knew we could make the kick, and the kick was the way to win the game. Now when I sent it out, he could have stopped it. He could have probably gone. It. He did not. I think to his credit, I'll say the fact that I give him credit for this. He probably looked at it and went, you know, Mike's probably right here. Let's see what happens. He probably did that. I can't tell you what he was thinking. I would be honest with you, I didn't care. I knew wow. that would win the game. The game you talked about in Pittsburgh, I went to them. We had oh, we had intercepted the ball. We ran cover turn that game for a touchdown. Yeah, so, Santana, Santana Moss. And, and, yeah. and a pick by Reggie Tong for a touchdown, too. Got the ball. Right. We had the chance. I let him know, you've got to get the ball inside the 20-yard line, or we cannot make this kick. Right. Right. We're handling the ball off, doing nothing, and then we take a knee and lose two yards. Yeah, yeah. 
Doug Bryan did not have the power in that wet, crummy stadium to make that field goal. And he missed it. And so I was furious. That's a game we should have won. Because we were good football. Yeah. Now you definitely should have won that game. We're talking to Coach Mike Westhoff, who's giving me some very interesting stuff. So you were with Herman that whole time, right? You were with Herman the whole time he was there. Right. What was your, I mean, did you have a good relationship with him? It sounds like yeah. you guys didn't yeah, get along did. great. I did. No, that's not true. I, I did have a good relationship. He was good to talk to. But what, what Herman was not, you know, he wasn't, he really wasn't involved. Say whatever you want. He really wasn't a game player. He'd be involved in the defensive stuff, really, but only to a degree. Right. You know, he, he didn't, he, he didn't call plays. He didn't do any of that. No, he did a good job with the team and the guys of, you know, keeping their, their spirits up and discipline and not having turnovers. And he talked a lot about that. And he did a good job with that. He, he really did. But um, other things, he, he, he really did not. You know, he wasn't the guy, and as far as managing the clock in the game, he was very average at it. I, mean, I helped him, but I should have done a better job. I, I didn't do a great job of helping. I could have been better. Um, I wish I had you know, maybe, maybe been a little more forceful and tried to get him to practice some of those things better. Uh, we weren't as good as that as we should have been. I'll take a little bit of that blame being assistant head coach. But, you know, again, I'm not the head coach, so it wasn't all me. But there were a lot of things he did well. There's some things he did pretty well. But there's a lot of things that um, that he watched. I'll just, I'll just tell you the truth. That's the reality. Say what you want. And he fired way too many coaches. Every time you turn around, we fired somebody. I mean, you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes if you don't understand what that was all about. Right, right. I'm not going to tell you. you got to figure it out. Well, so, okay, so why, let me ask you this. All the years, you're, you're a tremendous special teams coach, all the years in the NFL, why did, you felt you should have got the Dolphin job after Jimmy Johnson left. Why did you think you never got that head coaching opportunity? Well, that's, a, and I, I'll make no excuses. Uh, well, the, the, Jimmy, the Jimmy Johnson thing, I was very well prepared. I was the guy, I had a good plan also. But, you know, Jimmy had his buddy, Dave Wanstead. I don't even want, I hate to say his name. And uh, he got the job. I stayed. Right. He, he didn't He didn't want me to stay, but he had to keep me. And I had the best special teams year maybe in NFL history. So it worked out pretty well for him. Um, I didn't get that. I really didn't have the, a viable chance. Then, after Herman got let go, I interviewed for the job. And, and, and you know, and I, Terry Bradway interviewed me. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum was there and Woody Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um as Terry Bradway told me that I, I didn't uh, do a very good job, but he didn't interview me. He was interviewing himself because he knew he was going to get fired. But that deal was done. Mike had worked out that deal to get his buddy, Eric Mangini, that they had known each other. And then Mike and, and Terry Bradway switched roles. Now, the only person that switched any role better than that, you're going to probably have to go talk to Houdini while he got out of the jar. That would be a better move uh, to make that move, what they did. So I really wasn't in a great position to get it. I know this. Did I did I present the best case? Maybe I didn't. I, I I probably did not. But I knew how to figure it out. I worked at Don Shula all those years. I yep. learned something about being a head coach. I worked right. with Jimmy Johnson. He had a total different approach, but I learned something from him. Anything that I was asked to do in the NFL, I did at a very high level. I would have done that same thing. Am I bitter? No, I'm not. I'm not. You know, since sometimes when those things were going on, I had other issues in my life. You know, I'm trying to get out of the hospital. 
Right, right. I'm a Sloan Kettering. I mean, so it's a little different deal for me than maybe someone else. So those things bypassed me. But that's okay. I don't believe it defined my career in the NFL. I love what I was able to do. I'm proud of it. I worked for some good people. Herman did a lot of things well. He really did. So I, even though I may be a little critical in some areas, there's some other things that I think he did a very good job of. Talking to uh, the great uh, special teams coach, Mike Westhoff. I, very interesting stuff you're giving me here, Coach. A couple things that I want to get to. First of all, how's your health now? Because I know you, I, many years on the sideline, uh, I know you had some issues with your health. You had the cane you were with, walking around with for a while. How's, how's your health now, Coach? No, I'm doing great. I'm fine. I'm fine. I went through those. I kept breaking my graft. I had a very, very uh, difficult surgery. Extremely. Right, okay. my, my, my left leg is almost entirely metal. Wow. Sloan Kettering, guy Sloan Kettering invented what I have. Wow. Yeah, the first surgery I had to put in was 12 hours. Wow. I mean, so I had tough surgery. And I kept, you know, I live a normal life. I, I, I tried, I kept playing golf at one time. I had to kind of slow down on that. But I couldn't do some things. So I, I learned how to go whitewater rafting. So I do that all over the place. I ride wow. my bike. I have a boat and I go fishing. But I only fish for sharks. I don't kill them, but I can catch them. So here I'm pulling a six-foot shark out of the water. Now, trust me, I let him go. I released them. And I know how to do it, but I put a tremendous stress on my leg and my graft. So I kept breaking them. You know, the, the guys that invented this stuff want to kill me, but uh, it worked. And yeah, I had to use a cane. I had to walk with a brace. I did all that. But the way I believe is that this is what I have. I can't change it. I'm going to live with it and I'm going to make the best of it because I have to coach with a cane. So what? I don't care. I'll walk with a cane. I can coach as good as anyone's ever done it. I can walk with a cane. I can still get a date. So shoot me. This is how I live my life. This is what I believe in. And I'm proud of that. And, and the players looked at me that way. They looked at me up and said, I have tremendous respect for the players. And I love them. But I'm tough on them. I'm really hard. But I love them. And I also know what they go through. Because, you see, I spent a lot of my life being a little bit uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like every single day. So wow. I get it. And I can relate to that. And that's why I have a level of respect for them. And I think you see it back as how they as how they treated me. So wow. for me, it was just a matter of I didn't do anything that so many people in America are faced with. I, how, how many waiting rooms, x-ray rooms, and Sloan Kettering do you think in my life I sat in? And I watched a family come in knowing that they're 10-year-old son just had this crazy 10-hour surgery. Hmm. And I sat there and looked at those people. I have a very distinct uh, impression of, of what life is like. And that's how I, I, I didn't do anything that so many people didn't have to do, but I wasn't going to let it define me or change me. And that's how I was able to do that. And I did it in the middle of the National Football League. So I'm, I'm proud of it. Wow. Interesting stuff. All right, I got to go back to this stuff with the Jets because it's, it's fascinating to me. Uh, all right, so you were there for Herman. You went to the playoffs three times. You were there for Mangini. You went to the playoffs once. Should have been twice. The five year turned out to be a disaster. And you were there with, with Rex for the back-to-back -back AFC championship games. Of those three guys, which guy did you think was the best head coach of those three? Can I, can, I'm going to ask you that. Can you give me a... Uh, can you give me that answer? Absolutely, Rex. 
Rex was the best. Absolutely. Okay. And, uh, well, I yeah. loved Rex, but tell me why. Each tell one, me why. Each one, let, let, me, let me just be a little bit defined. But Herman had a particular way and a way with players that was very good. Right. Yeah, Herman, Herman did a nice job with that. As far as running a lot of situations, game planning, that was not his strength. It just wasn't. Eric came in. Eric dealing with the players and some things like that was, was not as good. He just wasn't. A lot of times he spoke down to them. You know, he tried to be a little bit of a Bill Belichick, and only one guy can be Bill Belichick. Yeah, you got that right. You got to have that genius, and you got to be a pain in the neck. Bill's pretty good at those two things. Yeah. Uh, he can do that pretty well. Okay. Yep. Eric, and running practices and things like that was terrible. We beat the guys to death. He, he, he pushed them way too hard. Where he was really good was setting things up, game planning, situations. Eric was excellent. He was good. He was on top of it. We did a tremendous job in those things. Now, as time went on, he backed down a little bit, and it helped us, really helped us. And so I personally don't believe that he should have been relieved after the uh, Brett Favre thing. I think he should have kept the job. And I wrote about that. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have fired him. I thought he did a good job. Um, and we, you know, we were eight and three. And oh, Brett I know. Hurt, Brett got hurt, and we – you know, we collapsed and we ended up nine and seven. You can't do that. You just, that, that's a terrible collapse. A lot of times, I think Eric got let go. Sometimes he, he, he couldn't get out of his own way, you know, and he did some things that irritated people. That's a shame. But I think as time would go on, he would mature and get to be a better and better coach. I, I'm shocked that he hasn't gotten back in, but I think he'd be a very good addition to someone's staff. I mean, I, I think he did a lot of things well. And as he developed and got more mature, I think he did better and better and better. And he worked hard at situations. He was much better prepared for that than, than, than Herman was. Now, uh, Rex came in, and Rex did a pretty good job with that stuff. But Rex kind of split it all up and, and, and took everybody into account and kind of managed it all. He let Mike Penton was a very good defensive coach. Right, right. Let me handle everything I did. We had a good officiating setup. Rex got involved with that. And then Rex inherited a very good football team. And what John Gruden told me one time was the best NFL coaching staff he ever saw. Wow. Wow. That's quite a line coach, Bill Callahan. Yeah. Yeah. You look at the names, look at the names of guys on that staff. Those are Bills. It was a good group. We had good football players. You know, we had LaDamian Thomason running the ball. Yeah. We had Alan Fanick of blocking for him. Damian Woody, Nick Mangold, the Brickershaw Ferguson. Yeah, Mark was our quarterback, Mark Sanchez. But Mark did a good enough job managing that type of team. And if you had that, you remember, we, were, we led the league in rushing. Yep, yep. Defense, we were always in the top three. Yep. I had, I had an all-star team. We were good. You know, we, oh, we, I know. we put Darrell Rivas on one side of the field. And Rex could put everybody on the other. Yeah. Said, okay, go ahead. Let's play. I'm ready. I mean, so it was a fun team to be a part of, a fun team. So I think in that regard, Rex handled that situation and how he did it and the way he did some things very, very well. I mean, I'll give an example. I was always in charge of officiating. I hired the guys. And we, we had good guys. We had hired two ex-NFL guys. And then had a couple guys go from our practice field into the NFL. Mm -hmm. but Wayne Mackey, Wayne Mackey, God rest his soul, he, he died just recently. And, and Jimmy Quirk, 
went from our practices to the NFL. And they're pretty good. Okay. Uh, I had a high school official, a guy named Bob Miller. He's a golf pro, owns a little golf course. I, I want to stop you for a second. Because one thing, so you would bring in officials to, to officiate practices and all this type of thing. Is that what, right? Am I correct saying that? I got that. I wanted to be in charge of it. But when I got there, I, I kept a couple guys that Parcells had hired. And okay. I hired more. And I hired really good high school guys or college guys. I spent a tremendous amount of time back then at 280 Park Avenue. I'd get on the train. I'd go down and I'd sit in there with Mike Pereira, who became a very good friend of mine. Right, right. I learned how they officiate. I wrote a report on each officiating crew that I would give to the players during the week. Hmm. I did that. For my first eight years at the National at the New York Jets, eight, we were the least penalized team in the NFL. Wow. Please. You, you wonder why we won some games? Maybe we weren't too stupid. Now, Herman was good with that. Herman pushed that. He, he liked that. He gave it to me. Let me handle it. And he did a nice job with it. He let me do it. And he was and he, he believed in it. All right. So then with Rex, it was a little bit more reckless on defense. We weren't quite as good with that. But still, but anyway, we hired this guy who officiated our practices. And then I gave him an assignment to study NFL crews in challenges. So he studied everybody, every referee, and he would travel with us. And when there was a challenge, Rex would confer with him. And he mm. would tell uh, Rex, you, no, you can't challenge this. It's not going to happen. Over right. that period of time, the New York Jets had the highest success percentages on challenges in the National Football League. Mm. We were first. Wow. I wonder why, maybe wonder why we won some games. Maybe we did a couple little things pretty doggone well. And Rex was involved in all of that. He believed in it. He got involved in it himself. Now, Rex could game plan. Rex could call those defenses. That's not Herman's strength. Right, Rex, right. Rex was good. He could do that. And he let, you know, he let me take my part. He let the offense, and we were going to run the ball. We had a formula. You know, we're going to run the ball, play action pass, you know, and that's how we were going to try to win football games. That's who we were. We weren't the New England Patriots South Branch that Mike, Mike Tannenbaum tried to turn us into, uh, and that just didn't work. Next thing you know, it collapsed, and it still has never gained any momentum. But that's who we were. So if I had to answer your question, I'm going to take Rex. He did a nice job with that. Well, I was a big fan of Rex, and, and I want to go back to, again, though, again, we're talking to Coach Mike Westhoff, and it's a fascinating, fascinating interview. you got to get his book, figure it out, because this is good stuff. I want to go to the 20. The 2010 team was one of the best teams in the history of the franchise, okay? You guys, you go in, <clears throat> you beat Peyton Manning in Indianapolis. Nick Falk kicks the field goal to win it at the end. Tremendous win, right? Last game ever well, for Peyton. And Antonio Curry, when Brad Smith get hurt, gets hurt, runs the kickoff in front yep. over 50. Yep, that's set up. That's and 100%. They were, and they made, they made the terrible mistake of kicking the ball to our bench. They should have never done that one. I, right. I knew as soon as I saw him line up, I signaled where to run it, and I knew I had him. We wow. run it up to there. We get a first down. We kick the field goal, and we move on. That that was the fun part of the job I had. Yeah. Well, that was a great win. All right, so you win that game. Last game ever for Peyton Manning as a Colt, by the way. That's, that's right. And then you guys go to Foxborough in one of the best wins in the history of the franchise. You stick it to Belichick and Brady. A tremendous win. Was now you're going to Pittsburgh for the championship game. Was there a major letdown 
after the Patriot game, coach. I mean, because I, I got that feeling that that's exact. You guys were down twenty-four nothing in Pittsburgh before you could turn around. I mean, was it was there a major letdown there? I don't believe that, but yet it really appeared to be. We made we we made we had a big argument. Uh, I was involved in it. Uh, we we made some activation issues. We wanted to. Mike came in, and I never forget it. We talked about he was with Rex. Some guys said he felt that we had to have on offense. Okay. And my argument was, well, how many plays were they going to play? Because you're talking about taking some guys away from me that that I that have really helped us. One of the guys they were taking away from me was John Connor. Remember the fullback? Yeah, the big I fullback. The Terminator. The Terminator. The Terminator. Well, if you remember earlier that year, we went into Pittsburgh and we had to win that game. Yep. We opened the game with a 96-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. How do you think we won the game? And we, that, that got us up, and Pittsburgh never could catch up. Anyway, so all of a sudden, like I told them, I said, look, you're going into Pittsburgh. This is going to be a street fight. This is a fight. And you're taking away one of our toughest guys to put this guy in who's going to play whatever plays. Oh, they really need him. I'll never forget this. We had three players that we were, they were arguing for that I disagreed with. They wrote the number on my board, three. So you only got three guys, Mike. I said, okay. I went over and I put an equal sign, and I drew a great big nine on my chalkboard. And I underlined it. I said, those three guys will not play nine total plays between them. I said, I'm going to bet you. I said, you're going to change the roster. They're not going to play nine. They played seven. I was right. Wow. I left that nine on my board the whole year. No wonder the personnel guys would come into my office. They hated me. But I, wow. I was tough. I fought back at them. And I used to have a sign in my office that said, you know that I know that you don't know. <laughs> That's they good. didn't like that. I mean, I, I know I can be arrogant, but I was a fighter. And I'm going to fight for my people, these guys. And I believe, and Rex, Rex did a great job of it. But to be honest, at the point in time, he didn't fight quite as hard as I wish he had. And we changed from this type of team to a team that still hasn't won a playoff game. Yeah, no, I know. One one, never been one. We haven't been to one, Coach. We didn't win it. So you can say it however you want, but that's the reality. And that football team that you're talking about was a great, great football team. Remember that game? We came back and we had a chance at the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We fought back. But you can't get down that big playing a championship game on the road. You can't let it happen. I mean, look at Boston last night. Try to go to Golden State to get down like everything. You're going to come back. Yeah. You can that game's over. You better hope. In the NBA, they got another one. We didn't have another one. So, yeah. but then you're right. That team was a great team. Uh, and, and that was a team that really a fun group to be with. A really fun group to be with. Did you think that, and again, we're talking to Coach Mike Westhoff, just tremendous stuff here, Coach. I, I like it. Look, to me, you say whatever you want about Mark Sanchez. The guy won more playoff games than anybody in his any quarterback in Jet history. Four playoff games on a road that he won. Like I said, he beat Manning and Brady back to back weeks. Did was he coached correctly in your mind? Did they handle Sanchez properly in your mind? It's a good. That's it's a good question, and I'm, I'm going to say in some ways yes because when Mark was put in the role of managing. And, and being in a situation of play-action pass, et cetera, a right. good football team that could run the ball. Mark was a very efficient quarterback. And I've been critical sometimes of Mark, but it's not, it's not just of Mark. 
It's the fact of the situation that he was in. When he was in the right situation, Mark could get the job done. Was he Tom Brady? No, he was not. You know, it's, it didn't happen. It never happened in his career, anywhere he went. You know, he was what he was. In that role, Mark was very, very good. But you had to keep him there. Like, I, I thought we made the mistake of, you know, of giving him that big contract extension. He still had time on his hand. It was a very fair deal. I remember, mm -hmm. I remember uh, talking to Mike and saying, you know, why would we do this? And his answer was, this is what a championship game quarterback must be paid. I said, well, if he was the reason we got there, I'd agree with you. He, he was on the bus. He sure as hell wasn't driving. But he was on the bus. When you had him on the bus and he was in a particular role and you kept that team alive, if it wasn't the Damian Thomason, it was Thomas Jones. Yep, yep. You know, it was DeBrigashaw Ferguson, Nick Mangle, Alan Fanica. He's a Hall of Fame. Yeah. Damian, Damian Woody. Those guys could knock your teeth out. They, that's the team we were. To see us in another realm is a total, you want to know the total point of the coaching, if you want to put it there, to change that, you got no chance. That's who we were. And when Mark was part of that, he was very efficient. I want to move on to the next year because you were there till 2012, right? If I'm not mistaken, yeah. right? All right, 2011, you guys were eight and five and you collapsed to eight and eight and don't make the playoffs. Right. I, I got the impression, I'm, I, you know, the, like I said, the kind of fan I am. Something happened with Sanchez. Was he undermined by Plaxico Burris and Santonio Holmes? What, what went on with that? I, that's a, I don't know enough about that to say. I, I kind of like Santonio, although I thought when we gave him that contract. Yeah, you should never paid him. I absolutely never. I mean, I loved him, but I always wanted to keep a tight leash on him. Yep, yep, yep. Because he could get off the he could get off the ranch. Well, he was never the yeah. same coach when that first year when he was there in 2010. He was tremendous, and then you guys gave him the big contract, and he wasn't the same guy anymore. To me, I I would I would have thought that you want I wanted to make sure he gets paid. But I want him to be paid where every, every week he's still got the leash on him. Right, right. I'm not a Plexico Burris guy. I just not because he missed too much practice. Every time I turn around, he's standing over there by me, and that bothers me. Mm. You know, I'm I'm a guy that goes back to my days at Miami. Right. Dan Marino. Dan Marino had a sign in his locker. Okay, and the sign said, "I'm going to practice every day and play every play." I'm going to practice every day and play mm. every play. Until mm. he tore his Achilles up in Cleveland, Dan Marino never missed a practice or a game. Yep. Wow. See, that's the guy that I want on my football team. I want that guy. I don't want the guy that never practices. So I'm not a Plexico Burgess guy. It's just me. I'm just not. So you can say whatever you want. I thought that whole movement took away the realm and the strength of what the New York Jets were. And to me, we were the team that exemplified. This is how I feel. We exemplified the Jets fan. The Jets fan is the tough guy. Mm. This is the guy that works at the bar. He owns the bar. He's the policeman. He's the fireman. That's who they are. I remember standing outside of Penn Station one night in the winter. All right. I was with my girlfriend. We were going to dinner. And I'm standing outside of Penn Station waiting to catch a cab. All right. And these guys came by. It was a Friday night. It was real cold. I had a top coat on and my hat. You know, it's freezing cold. And these guys recognized me. 
they came over and started talking. They were, you know, talking about, you know, they had been out having a few drinks after work, I'm sure, but, you know, they were pretty loud and talking to me. And they said, Coach, what are you doing here? I said, well, we're waiting to get a cab. There's a restaurant we like to go to on the Upper East Side. We're, we're headed there. He said, well, why are you waiting for a cab? Why aren't you in a limo? I said, the Giants ride around in limos. I'm a jet. I get a cab. Everybody else. <laughs> they loved it. Yeah. And so, and so to me, that's, I'm, I, and I mean no disrespect, that's who the Jets are. That's the way I saw it. And that's kind of me. That's who I am. You know, I don't ride around limos. Right. Yeah, I have enough money today. I could probably get one. But no, that, that's what I, I believe that. And so I loved being a part of that. And that football team exemplified that like few others could. Because mm. when you played us, you better put your chin strap on, buddy, because we're going to knock your head off. That's the kind of team we were. That's how we could go out to San Diego, remember, and beat that really good team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tremendous. We took that quarterback on the bench. We went yep. for it on fourth down. Yep. yep. And we won the game. That's Thomas who we Jones. were. So yep. now you're going to tell me we're going to change this? We're going to become something else? That Jet team was the New York Jets. All right. Well, let me ask you this. All right. And I, this is fascinating. Coach, this is fascinating stuff. But believe me, I go all day with you with this stuff. Uh, you were you were with you were with Marino and Shula. A lot of really good teams with Marino and Shula, even though you didn't win. You know, you, you went to the championship game. You lost to Buffalo in '92, where they ran the ball down your throat. Neck. I think they rushed for three hundred something yards in that game. The Bills, right? Something like that. But a lot, you know, you were in the playoffs just about every year. The one year you lost to the Bills in the snow in Buffalo in 1990. That 44-34 game. Of all the teams. Was that Jet team in 2010, 29, 09, and 10, was that the best teams you ever were with in your career? That, that, that's a good question. I have to say, no, it was not because the quarterback, you know, Mark was really good, but Mark wasn't the guy that could carry us. No, he wasn't Marino. Yeah, there, were, there were a couple of Marino teams that were better. And then, of course, that, uh, that, that New Orleans Saints team that I was with in 17, 18. Oh, that's right, Breeze. too, right, with Breeze, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were, we were pretty good. Yeah. So those teams, I'd have to say, <clears throat> were maybe a little better. But but that Jet team could have beaten any one of, either one of those teams if they had played that style of game. And they'd have kept Marino on the bench, and they'd have kept Drew Brees on the bench. And they'd have run the ball, controlled the clock, short passing game, occasionally yep. throw deep to spread them out, because Mark could do that. Mark's yep. got a strong arm. He yep. can fire that ball. You know, he's put send Braylon Edwards down the field. Well, that was a good weapon. So even though I wouldn't say it was the best team, that team could have beaten either one of those great Miami or Drew, or Drew Brees quarterback teams. So answer your question, uh, I love that New York Jet football team because of who it was. When it tried to go another direction, zero chance. Yeah, right. Yeah, you were there. That's right. So you were with the Saints when they got hosed. In 2018, with that, you know, non-call on what should have been pass interference that wound up costing you going to the Super Bowl. So you would answer there. I was there. You can read all about it. <laughs> how bad was that? I mean, really, how, how, because I'm a, you dealt with these officials. I can't stand the officiating in the NFL. I don't trust these guys at all. They can make a call any freaking time they want. I, I don't like the officials in the National Football League. I've been on record in saying that for a long time. I don't trust them. At all, coach. Okay. Well, that's you. I, I won't go. I won't go on that. I won't, I won't go on that 
Well, I'm a fan. You're not. You were involved with that. I understand. Um, That was just a bad call. In my opinion, that was the worst call, worst officiating call in sports history. No, don't don't get me wrong. I didn't say NFL history. I said sports. I heard you. I heard you. Any sport. Right. Because of what the ramifications of it. Yeah. We're going to go to the Super Bowl. Man, not only was it pass interference, the guy got fined like $25,000 the next day for helmet to helmet. <laughs> right, right, he right. Got fined. Yeah. I mean, how can you do that? How can you find a guy and throw the flag? Yeah, yeah. How smart is that? So that was a terrible, terrible call. And <laughs> it's a game that I think we should have won in several ways, but um, that that really was, was a mess. And, and that was a very good football team. So uh, Mike Thomas was healthy. Drew was healthy. Barlow yeah. was playing. And our defense had gotten better. I had a really good group. I finished first in the NFL in special teams, so we were pretty good, that's for sure. And it was a team that could beat anybody. And, and you know, that was the team that, that you know, I, I, I knocked on the door five times, and I didn't get to go. Uh, I would have loved to gone with that one. I would have loved to gone with that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there were a couple with Marino I could have gone with, and then that uh, those two groups of, of uh, the championships with the Jets. They could have all been Super Bowl uh, contenders and Super Bowl winners, in my opinion. Who was the best? Oh, and again, we're talking to Coach Mike Westhoff. Just fascinating stuff. Uh, the best special, not necessarily kick returner. Okay. The best special teamer that you ever had was who? He doesn't have to just be a kick returner. Just special teamer, period, was who? Okay. Good. Really good question. Uh, really good. Uh, and, and I have to look at it in a little different way because you, they, they come in different roles. Right. I, I'll keep the returners out of it. Okay. Just a coverage guy that could make plays, that could, you know, block a kick. So I got to go back to Miami with two guys. Larry Izzo, you know, they end up in the Patriots. You know, when I went out and signed him, yeah. you know, he's a linebacker, five, nine and a half, 213 pounds. Read all about him. He's now the coordinator at Seattle. You know what Larry told me two weeks ago? He said he bought 25 copies of my book. <laughs> he said, I'm going to give it to every player that we have, he said, because I want them to understand the way the National Football League was really played. Wow. He said, he bought 25. He said, I loved it. He said, Mike, we were the real deal. We were tough. And so that's pretty cool. Bernie Parmalee back then was the same Mm -hmm. type of guy. With the New York Jets, I'll pick two. I'll I'll pick two. Uh, One, Chris Hayes. Right. Remember Chris in the early days, who was yep. one of Parcells guys? Yep. Chris, yep. Chris is the guy that blocked the punt in that game that, that, that took us in the playoff. Chris is the guy. Chris Chris was involved in two blocked punts that year. Without those plays, the New York Jets never go to playoffs. They never go. So both those guys. Um, both Eric Smith and Brad Smith had specific roles that mm-hmm. really were top special teams guys that could do a lot. They could really make a lot of plays. And then a linebacker that I had with the Jets, most people would not know a lot about him, was Kenyatta Wright. Now, Kenyatta Wright could knock your head right off. I mean, he was as tough a guy as there was. He was a great New York Jet because Mm. he's the kind of guy that, to me, was what I wanted that football team to be. So, you know, I've got a handful. They were all – each one's a little different. And then, of course, Taysom Hill, when I was with the Saints, who could play for any – and was, in my opinion, that year in 2018, he was the best special team player in the NFL. 
He was a good player. I tell you, you talk about an all-around. You talk about a uh, like when the days with Cordell Stewart when he was slashed back in Pittsburgh. Well, Tayshawn Hill probably takes that to a different level of slash, doesn't he? He takes it to another level. You're 100% correct. (laughs) Good stuff. Wow. I tell you, Coach, just tell us again, because we could go all day here with this. I don't want to keep you forever. So figure it out is the book. Tell everybody again where we can get it, and it'll be out on July 12th in all the bookstores. But tell right. everybody right now if they want to pre-order how they can get it. Yeah, you can get it. It's not even a pre-order. You can order it if you order it through the publisher. The okay. publisher is Mascot Books, M-A-S-C-O-T. You go on the computer, Mascot Books, put in the title, figure it out. It'll give you two types. You can buy a hard copy or they call it a soft cover. It's just it's not a paperback, just a little different. and It's a little different in price. And they'll deliver it to your house. They'll deliver it to you. Or you can go online and pre-order it through uh, Barnes & Noble or through Amazon. And then as of July 12th, that's where it'll be available in the stores. But most people now have bought it through the publisher. In fact, they've had to reprint because it's gone out pretty well. Um, it's a good story. Um, and we conducted interviews. Uh, Barry Wilner, who's a writer, very good writer, helped me. Now, I wrote every word. But I set the interview up. I did not want to interview the players. I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So he did it. He would record the interview. And then as I sent him material, he would put bits and pieces in. So you're going to hear me tell the story. And then you're going to hear Leon Washington tell you about what we did and how we did it. And I think that's what is really special. Because you're not just listening to me. You're listening to them talk about it. And so that's what I think makes it a little bit of a different book. And, and I think people will get a very good view of a part of the game that went from kind of obscurity to prominence and now is drifted back to not a level of obscurity, but certainly a dilution. It's diluted. That's mm. the reality. Leon Washington, boy, he was a tremendous player until he tore his knee up. That was a shame what happened. He was, he was a good. great he was player. Good, he? Oh, man. Now, now he's coaching with the Jets. Is he coaching now? I didn't know that. Assistant special teams. Oh, okay. He's on a Jets staff. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Huh. Leon was a good player. They sent me a picture. The guy sent me a picture the other day of Leon Washington at his desk in his office. And behind him, he had two bobbleheads. One of him and one of me. (laughs) I didn't (laughs) know you had bobbleheads. Coach, you got your own bobbleheads. Pretty good. I I do have it. Yes, I do. That's pretty cool. I was proud of it. But anyway, you're going to hear him talk about how we taught kickoff return. Listen to how he describes it. Not just me. Listen to what Leon does. And he led the list. Yeah, he, he was great. List. And you had a lot of – look, I mean, you had Chad Morton. You had Leon. You had Brad Smith. You had Santana returning punts. I mean, Joe yeah. McKnight. Who's that? I'm sorry? Joe, Joe McKnight. Oh, Joe McKnight, the late Joe McKnight. Right, right Joe McKnight. Yeah, Joe, he was Joe a, McKnight is terrific. Yep. Joe was a good man. Yep. Good man. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah I, I, I had a good group. We we did it right, and we did it well, and uh, and it worked. It worked. It helped us win some games. Unbelievable. You know, before I let you go, one more thing. I just got to ask you again, because, like I said, I could go all day with this stuff. The year with Favre in, 2000, in 2008, Favre got hurt, collapsed. Like you said, you guys were eight and three. You had beaten Tennessee. They were unbeaten. You guys killed them in Tennessee. You beat New England. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you guys were rolling. We were good. Fog gets hurt. You knew Fog was hurt. Could he wanted to keep that streak? Could anybody go up to him and say, maybe you shouldn't be you're hurting the team by playing right now? 
That's that's a tough question. I'll be honest with you, I don't have the answer to that. I don't know. I know Brett, you know, Brett was such a, a gunslinger and such a fighter that, you know, you, you, it's hard to, to not give that guy the opportunity because you don't know what that guy's going to do. And he was close. It just hurt. He couldn't make the throws that he had once made. And, and it really, um, did we have a viable option? I, I, not I don't really. know if we did, Joe. I'm not really sure we did. I don't think we did at that time, you know, because he was something special. And, and so it's just a tough set of circumstances. Um, I have tremendous respect for his work ethic, uh, watch him on the field every day. You know, he, he was fun to be around. He just, you know, he had that charisma about him. And we, and we kind of surrounded him with the right guys. So that was a good football team that, yeah. that could have, that could have gone. It's a shame what happened. And, you know, but that's part of the, you know, there's lots of stories like that in the NFL. They happen every year. Yeah. Uh, who's better Marino or Bob in your mind? No, Marino. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm just, I just want to see what you would say. Different, different guys, both, both tremendous, both hall of famers, both. Is there and I had Drew Brees too. I'm right, that's right. Marino, that's I, right. I love Marino and I was there and watched what he did. I know how hard he worked. I saw what he did every day. Each one of those guys is different. They're all hall of famers. They're all tremendous. To rank them is very, very difficult because I think each one brings a certain thing to the table and that that's where their strength lies. So, you know, the, you're, you're really, and, and plus when you look at different levels of play, I think that's hard to rank people. Guys are playing at a different time, but the game changes. Right. You have to be able to change with the game. So I was fortunate to be able to watch those three guys and, and they were all great. And they're all hall of famers. Of course, you know, uh, Drew will go in very shortly. Um, so it was it was a real fun to be around. So yeah, I mean, I, I was at the Miami Dolphin practice the other day. Somebody's talking to me about the quarterback play, and I was a little disappointed to be honest with you. I wasn't very I wasn't being critical of it because it's only a mini camp. But I said, you know, it's not like I haven't seen a pretty good offensive practice in my day because I have, guys. You know, I, mean, I watched Marino's whole career. I watched Brett Favre. Also, I saw a pretty darn darn good Vinny Tuscaverdi and Cam Pennington. Yeah, no, you did. I saw, I saw yep. some pretty quarterback play there. And, yeah. then, and then Drew Brees. So it's not like I don't know what an offensive practice is supposed to look like. I kind of do. And I so you're not, too, you're not too high on two with Tonga Bailoa then, right? No, no, I just saw some things that I was disappointed in. I, I want to see how it moves on as time progresses with this new offense. And it'd be, it's not fair to really say that I'm being critical because but, but the day that I was there, was a very unproductive, uh, unproductive practice. And so, do I think he can get it done? To be honest with you, I'm not sure. I'm not hmm. sure. Interesting. Coach, great stuff. I can't thank you enough, man. We could do it all day with doing this because I could go on and on. I mean, boy, you know, well, look, I mean, 30 years, you're the best special teams coach. When you think of special teams coaches, coach, it's you. I mean, I, I don't even know who the next guy would be, but, you know, it's definitely you. I really appreciate you so much coming on. Again, the book is Figure It Out. Fascinating stories. You got to check it out. Um, Coach, I can't thank you enough. I mean, uh, it was well, it was you. an you're, honor having you on. Yeah, there's the, the Jets. Uh, you're, you're, as, you're as knowledgeable as anybody's ever going to be on the Jets. Wow, you rally stuff up. You got it. it coach, I got scars. No, Coach, I have scars on my body from this franchise. I have hemorrhoids from this franchise, Coach. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> yeah, let me ask you I'll, one more thing because I got to ask you. I'm, I got a lot of concerns about the coach of my team now, Robert Salad. Do you like this guy? What do you think of this I, guy? I honestly, I don't know enough. I don't okay. know enough. I do think this. 
I'll say this. You know, I don't study it like I did when I was in the media. So it's unfair for me to say. Okay. I think he needs to be a little bit more, this is my opinion, a little more demonstrative during the game. A little bit. I don't want a cheerleader. Right. I want, I want to see a little more involvement. That's my opinion. The second thing, though, I will say this. I think the Jets are as well prepared today as I've seen them in 10 years. Wow. I think they're ready. Whether it's going to happen, because the first part of that schedule, Joe, is brutal. Yeah, they're going to play the whole AFC North to start the year. I mean, it's brutal. Yep. Okay. But, but I think this is a pretty well-prepared football team, what they've done in the offseason and the draft. I think this, if I were a Jets fan, I'd be a little bit excited. I'm going to be in the stands rooting them on, because I think they're going to have a chance. I'll be very disappointed if that doesn't happen. Well, from your lips to God's ears, Coach, we can only hope that that's what it's going to be. Coach, I can't thank you enough. We'll have to have you on again, man. You could, Are you going into the media? Are you going to be doing TV anymore, or are you done No, with no, that? no, I'm done. I'm done with that. No, I, right. when the, you know, the, the book comes out officially everywhere July 12th, and then maybe when it comes out right after that and training camp begins, I'll be happy to come back with you. Great. Coach, thanks so much. I can't thank you enough. The great Mike Westhoff, uh, really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Coach. Okay, Joe, thank you. All right, man. Take care. All right, Great bye. Mike Westhoff. Uh, what can, you can't say enough about him. Thank you so much. Coach, take care. Beautiful. All right, let me, I, I just want to wrap it. You still got me recording here? I just want to, I just want to give a shout out again to our sponsors. I know she's got them on the thing. Yeah, it's still, still recording. I just want to, again, before I go again, let's, let's thank Coach Westhoff. Boy, that was fascinating. Make sure you get the book, figure it out. You can order it now, but it'll be out in all the in all the bookstores on July 12th. Check it out, boy. He's got some great stories. Again, just want to thank all my sponsors. Uh, you know the list of them all: the Hackensack Brewing Company, Beach Camera, Kenny Zor and KZ Sports Marketing, Blue Hill uh, Golf Course, and of course Anita Discount Tires. Thanks. Thank you again, all my sponsors. Thank Coach Mike Westhoff. We'll talk to you on Friday for the next Ode of Pain podcast.